Welcome to the 6am Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6am Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6amrun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to the 6AM Run Podcast. I am your host, as always, Mark Paisan. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. We have a good one for you today. We have David Richmond's going to be joining us. He is a speaker. He's an endurance athlete. But as many of you know, my favorite part about this is speaking to authors. He is an author. We'll talk about his books and talk about that process, but we'll talk about a lot more of what this man has been through and overcome, and I think it is such an inspiring story. But before we get started, as always, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So David, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go and just introduce yourself for our audience? Sure. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. Uh, Introduce myself. Ah, it just depends on who I'm talking to as to how I introduce myself. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do public speaking. I'm a writer. Um, I do other things, too. I've got a regular job. Who doesn't? Uh, when you're a content provider, unless you've got a very famous name, um, you're usually doing other things. And I don't begrudge that at all. I love I love doing other things. So I, my background is in finance. Um, so I'm in the financial world. Um, I do endurance athletics still. In fact, uh, I've got a very big event that I just made public that I that, that I came up with. I just announced that in the last few days. Um, so that's that's who I am. I, uh, I I write, I cook, I run, and I work. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of us. Um, and and I, I know that trying to introduce myself, like, do they want to know what I do for a living? Do they want to know I'm a family man? Do I... I work out, so I definitely understand that. But before any of this, like before you got in the endurance and all this good stuff, your life wasn't the same as it is now. So you were burdened with, you know, being overweight, being a smoker. Like, tell us about that time of your life and what caused you to to, to change. Sure, and I appreciate the the question, Mark. And anybody listening can attest to this that we just we just don't know what people are going through or what they have gone through, right? We're all we're nobody's one dimensional. Everybody's got a lot of things going on. So, if you go back twenty years, um, I was uh, on the one side of the coin, pretty successful. I had a, a, a big responsible job. I was in charge of one hundred and ten million dollars of revenue for a major Wall Street firm. A um, couple hundred employees and living the dream for a guy that never went to college, right? So, um, on one side of the coin, things are awesome. On the other side of the coin, uh, like you, you said, I was overweight. I was a smoker. I was uh, at the time married to an abusive alcoholic. Uh, had four-year-old twins, and it was getting a little dangerous for for them as well. And it was my life was just a wreck, um, you know, underneath the covers. And 
And I, yeah, I was completely stressed out and almost getting kind of hopeless. And uh, I happened to hear the right words at the right time. Mark, you, you, you know, we talked about this before that, you know, sometimes you just need to hear what you need to hear when you need to hear it. And I, I heard those words and it kind of sent me on a, on a path that definitely was very opposite the path I was on um, in taking care of myself and seeing what I could accomplish in life for me rather than, you know, on the work side. So that was kind of the start of it all. And, and good for you. First of all, I, I understand that at, at, at no point do I, I ever try to judge anybody because you just don't know what they're going through. And I think it's up to us as humans to build those relationships and actually communicate and actually, you know, talk to people and see what they're going through. But I can understand someone saying, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to quit smoking, but going to an endurance athlete, going, doing try like, is it was that just something you had as a goal or you was like, Hey, I'm going to go to the, the highest peak I can, or is, is how do you make like that? If there's a 180, that is a 180. How do you do that? Yeah, it was a big 180 and it was a bit of a learning curve, but, um, you know, when you go through life and you're set with a number of challenges, whether they're, um, you know, because of your own bad decisions or because of things you take on or opportunities that are presented or obstacles that are presented, you can learn a lot. And I had learned some unbelievable, valuable lessons by the time I was in my late thirties, but I missed one special key to those lessons. I never understood how to apply them to myself. And once I, I mean, I could, preach all day long about how to increase sales and how to be a better employee and how to be more effective. And I, you know, I could tell you how to write a business plan and how to get investor. I mean, you name it, I could do all those things, but, but like get, get them to apply to myself. I couldn't. So the answer to your question is when I finally uh, looked in the mirror and said, Hey, the guy in the, in the mirror matters. I was kind of like, well, geez, maybe you should set your goals really high. Right. Well, why not? Like, like, why go to a job and give it 5% if you could give it 100%? And so in my personal life, being that I had never focused on myself, I didn't know what 100% was. So I literally quit smoking, Mark, and like a week later, I did a 5K. And I smoked for a pack and a half for 20 plus years, right? But I, I, I ran a 5K and then I was like, well, okay, you can do that and you didn't die, so why not a 10K? And no, you didn't die then. So why not a half marathon and then a marathon? And then I did, a, I started doing Ironmans and one thing led to another. And I was just realizing that I had, I had no idea what my end goal was. Cause I just said, well, let's just keep going. What, what more can you do? What more can you do? What more can you do? And it wasn't, um, like trying to accomplish it for a check in a, a box. It was just trying to accomplish it to say, geez, what are you capable of and, and, and how, how, how bad do you want to do something? And usually if you want to do it really bad, you realize you're capable of doing way more than you thought. Way more. I, you, you bring up so many good points there because the, the first big one, I think, which is the most important is, is that kind of paradigm shift where you start prioritizing yourself and saying, hey, you know what? I matter. And the, the, the feelings I have, the thoughts I have, I matter. And you don't just try to do things for others. But at the same time, I think you had that that runner's mentality, which so many of us say, where if I didn't die from this race, then 
I'm going to do it again. And I, <laughs> I'm going to do something longer and, and I'm going to run faster and I'm going to push myself. And I'm not saying that anybody should go out and do something right now that they potentially is going to kill them. But I'm saying that's that, <laughs> that that's that, that, that thought process in our heads. Cause I was, and I was the same way. And, and I, I remember I was overweight and in that first, one I ran, I was so scared about if I'm going to, if I'm going to finish and I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like, cause especially, you know, smokers have that addictive personality. And once you change that addiction from nicotine to personal reward and achievement, it, it's such a, uh, I don't say it's an easy transition, but it's, it's a transition that you, your body really starts to, to really want more of what were some yeah, of you yeah. crave it. Yeah. You, you, you definitely you, crave it. Yeah. You, you crave it. Let me tell you a quick story. Sure. Mark. Go so, ahead. Uh, I quit smoking in a February of the year, right? My kids had just turned five. We were now out of that horrible uh, uh, situation. Uh, I had heard the right words that said, hey, dude, you need to start fixing your problems and caring about the guy in the mirror. And I said, okay, I'm going to go start doing this stuff. So I feel like I'm like kind of athletic or whatever. And at this point, like six months in, you know, in July, I, I go up to do five months in, I go up to do a half Ironman. I'd never even kind of even knew what that was. And I go, okay, well, all right, let's see what you're capable of. And I get to the start line where it's a wave start. And, and, and so I'm like six waves after the, after the first one. And I go, and I go to the front, you know, the, 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 the start to see what the heck's going on, Mark. And I look around and everybody's a Greek God. I'm like, what the hell is this? Right. I'm still fat. I'm, I'm still slow. I don't know anything about being an athlete. And I just started beating myself up going like, what the hell are you even doing here? Like, this is not you. This is not where you belong. This is not who you are. And I, and I almost did turn around because I'm, I looked at everybody else and I said, man, they're all athletes. They all belong here. I don't. And I just discounted who I was and what I was capable of or what was important to me. And then the gun went off, Mark, and like 90% of those Greek gods like took off in the river and started swimming like, you know, like nobody's business. But then I looked to the start and I'm like, well, there was some dude flipped over on his back and another guy doing a doggy paddle and some guy that was afraid to jump into the water. And I'm like, well, they don't care. Like they're just out there doing the thing that they do. Like they don't, nobody, if they cared what other people thought, they wouldn't be doing that. So maybe I shouldn't care what other people think. And so if I don't care what anybody thinks, well, why am I doing anything? Because maybe it's just what I think. And then I go, oh, shoot. You know what? If I could do a, a, a half Ironman, why don't I think I could do an Ironman? Or why then can't I do three Ironmans? Or why can't I do 20 Ironmans? And so that's that was that thing you were talking about a minute ago where you crave it, where it's like, man, if you're not trying to fix a problem, if you're not trying to impress anyone, if you're not trying to tick any boxes to show anybody, but you're just doing it because you're trying to figure out what you're made of, that that is something that is very attractive to me. The, the competition is only you and the person in the mirror. I, I love that. And, you know, I, I think the, the funny part is if you if you add up the people who've done Ironman, I think it's like 1% of the population. And if you add it up mm-hmm. to people who've done multiple it's less than like half a percent. So it's like if, when you start thinking about it like that, it, it totally changes the, the, the way you you look at things. Now, for a person who's who's listening to this now and maybe in that 
space that you were in before you started all this? What are, you know, I, I could ask the, the cliche question is that what are some things you can tell them? About? No, I'm not going right. to do that. What I want to know mm-hmm. is what are some changes that you saw mentally and physically when you made that change? Because it's easy to say, oh, I felt better about myself. I lost weight. But what were some things like sleeping, personality, your relationships? What were some things you noticed once you made this change? So where it stemmed from, Mark, the, what the words I, I mentioned, I, I heard what I, I needed to hear when I needed to hear them, right? As I'm, I'm at this absolute just pit, bottom low, stressed out, you know, really hopeless, really like worried about my kids, worried about my safety, their safety. And I'm just like, I had nowhere to turn. I didn't know what to do and who to talk to. And a good buddy of mine, and I was complaining to him for the hundredth time about my life. And he said, look, dude, I'm so tired of hearing this. Like, like, like you're the problem. And I went, what? And I got all pissed off and I'm like, dude, and he goes, yeah, I hear everything. He goes, let me tell you what goes on in your life. I go, yeah, what? Go ahead, lay it on me. And he said, everything that comes into your life that you welcome into your life is a, is a, is a wild animal. He goes, and, and you see the wild animal and you go, I can tame it and I can control it. And you take it home and you pet it and you feed it. And then all of a sudden you go to reach for it and it bites you. And you wonder what the hell he goes, wild animals are wild animals. Why do you always got to find problems? Why do you always got to think you got to fix everything? Why don't you fix the guy in the mirror? And I went, oh shoot, like that was smart, right? So. So there wasn't any light switches that went off other than that one. And then it became a a learning curve. But to answer your question, it kind of permeated into everything because it just was like this, this, this need to, to learn. And so what, what I did was, and I didn't know I was doing this like to the depth of what I was doing at Mark, but what, what I needed to do was to take a honest, hard look at myself. And I hadn't ever done that before. And I literally, that that night, Mark, I went home and I stood in front of a mirror and probably looked like an idiot talking to myself for an hour and a half in the mirror. But I just said, like, who are you? Like, what's your deal? Like, what's your problem? Why are you always you know, doing this? And why aren't you leaning into these good things? And why are you, whatever you are. So I had to take a very honest assessment. And when I took an honest assessment, then I just learned like, all right, so that's who you are. Lean into the good things and, and try to avoid the bad things. And I just became conscious about making good decisions. And so where did it bleed into? Kind of everything, right? Kind of everything. Because I had always gone, and I'm sure that you can relate to this. I know a lot of the guys listening can relate to this, that I had tried to do a good job at work because I had to be, I had to impress the boss. And I tried to be the, the, the right person in the relationship because I had to fix the, 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 the problems. And so everything that I did was for other people, right? Because that's what guys do. We're in control. We fix problems. You know, we don't show weakness and we, you know, ugh. well, that was all just nonsense, right? And so I thought what was important for me is to just like forget all of that, who I, I think I should be and just be who I, who I am. And since I didn't know, I had to go discover. And what I discovered was those things that bled into all those other things you talk about, change my mindset, 
allowed me to prioritize things that were important to me, allowed me to not feel guilty about doing certain things, allowed me to focus on the right thing. So it hit everything because um, I, I guess in my personal life, I was like kind of a, like a leaf blowing in the wind, right? Not in my business life, I, I had to charge, right? But but in my personal life and, and who I was, I didn't have any clue. So, so when I started to learn, then I started to formulate some answers to those to those questions because I didn't know ahead of time. I didn't know what I was shooting for. And I'm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and that's the reason I I, I knew the answer to that question is everything. I knew it was, but I needed people to hear that because you're absolutely correct. There's some man listening to this right now thinking, you know, I have to continue to to be stoic and professional at work and and strive to be the best version of myself at work while fixing all the problems at home and care, it, it, it becomes exhausting. It literally becomes exhausting. And that's when you see men with high blood pressure, diabetes, pre-diabetic, smoking, you know, um, you know, drinking, staying up late, stressing, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those cycles that once you get in it, I'm not going to say it's hard to get out of it, but our, our feelings and our brains make it hard. We feel like we have to do these things. This is who I'm supposed to be. You use the word should. Should is a word that gets so many people caught up in bad situations. And I appreciate you being honest and candid with that answer. And so you're going through all this and you've already made this unbelievable change. You've showed a lot of strength and courage and bravery. And you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to write a book. Like I'm going to, mm-hmm. I've, I've done the triathlons. I've, I've become healthy. I'm, I'm become a better version of myself. I should take the time to write a book. So talk about mm-hmm. the book, the books that you've written and what, well, before you even talk about them, what made you decide this yeah. is what I want to do? Well, so, and thank you. I, I, I've written a few and, and, and we can talk about them. This one though, that's, that's relevant to our conversation is winning in the middle of the pack. And so I, I, I'd always fancy myself a writer. I had had uh, some tastes with writing. I'd written a couple of screenplays and had some opportunities to, to become a writer for a living, but they just never worked out. And so I always kind of really wanted to. Uh, but I never wrote anything really for the public. I did a ton of writing for you know business plans and business, whatever. But that's, that's not creative writing. I wanted to do something more creative. And one of the things that I discovered through this process of learning about myself was that there's a lot of parallels between running a hundred million dollar business and running a hundred miles. Okay. There's just a ton of parallels and you got to, the lessons that I learned in my life and the lessons I learned in business and the lessons I learned from endurance athletics, they seem to have some parallels such as setting a high enough goal. Okay. So you go to any classic sales organization market and you say, I need you to do a million dollars and you're going to get the top performers that will end up doing a million bucks. But if you would have told those same top performers to do $3 million, they probably would have done 3 million, right? So one of the goals is one one, one of the ideas in, in business is to set high enough goals. Okay. So that's in life. That's that, that way too. In business is that way. And, and, in, and in, I found out in endurance athletics, it was, it was that way. Because I would have never have dreamed that I could run a thing called a marathon, right? And then I said, well, geez, you ran a marathon. Well, what would be an athlete? An athlete would be somebody that could run a marathon just by waking up one day and saying, I'm going to go run a marathon that day. And so I did it. And I go, well, that's not good enough. What if I can wake up, Mark, one day 
just roll out of the rack on a Saturday morning and decide I'm going to go run 50 miles that day. That would make me an athlete. That would be a high enough goal. I actually did that. I woke up one day and I ran 50 miles. And then I went, no, that's not high enough. So I, I love this idea of setting a high enough goal. Well, there's applications to that in life, business, and sport. Okay, Knowing when to ask for help. Knowing when not to ask for help. Knowing when to quit. Knowing when to lean into others. Right? Um, how to When to accept mentoring. When to mentor. There's a lot of parallels. So I wrote this book, book called Winning in the Middle of the Pack. And the concept is something we talked about earlier, which is, you know, if you're in the middle of the pack, nobody's watching, nobody's looking, right? Like I'm not out there to win any races. I'm just out there to become the best I can be. And if, and if that's the case, man, you have no idea how the best you could be, you know? And so, so you can win in the middle of the pack no matter where you finish. I, you know, I, um, one of the things I, I say to myself, I don't say it out loud that often, but because um, I don't know if people would, would understand what I mean by it, but first place is lonely. Like first place <laughs> is lonely and first place is something that only one person gets. And I always say to myself, if that's, if that's my gauge, first place or bust, like most of the time it's going to be bust. And I, I, that's not saying I can't do well. That's not saying I can't win some things. That's just saying, you know, I am, I'm very self-aware of my competition and it's no one else. My competition is myself. And I think that's such a good, like, first of all, the title is like poignant and perfect winning in the middle of the pack. I, I think <laughs> that, that, I think it's perfect. That concept is, thank you. And you know, I, I know that a lot of the times and, and you, I like how you mesh kind of the business world and the physical fitness world and even the mental fitness world together where, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you go to some of these big companies, if they don't have to be big companies, but if you go to a, if we're talking about insurance, if you go to like a nationwide or state farm, if you talk about banking, if you go to a bank of America or, you know, uh, true, whatever you talk about, like the most important people aren't the CEOs and the CFOs and the people who talk to, you know, C-SPAN and all those, all those people. It's the middle management. It's the people who are in there working together, trying mm -hmm. to, and, and we don't say that enough. Like we don't say that enough. And I think you putting it that way is, is really, is really good. So after you've written, so winning in the middle of the pack is, is, and anybody can go, you know, buy it, Amazon, wherever you buy books, there's ebook, Kindle version, Nook version, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, talk about the process of writing that book, because as I talked to you before the show, like, and everybody yeah. knows this, like I am enamored with authors. I think it is one of the coolest processes <laughs> to do. I think yeah. someone who dedicates a part of their life to sit down and be disciplined and to write and to get editors and publishers and have people go and market it and things like that. Like talk about that process. How long did it take you to write? Did you, you know, did you sure. all that good stuff? Cause I, I, I apologize listeners. I, you probably heard this before, but I would love to know the process. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to narrow it down to a short answer for you. So, you know, the, the important thing is if you have, first of all, you got to say, what am I going to write? Okay. Why am I going to write it? And who cares? Okay. You answer those questions and you're, you gotta, you gotta head start. What am I going to write? Right. Why am I writing it? And who cares? So what I wanted to write was, I feel like, like not, I, I learned a lot of lessons more than anybody else. 
right? But I, I, I like, I, I knew a lot of really successful people in business that weren't really great in life. And I met a lot of people that were really great in life that didn't do a lot of endurance athletics. Okay. What I didn't, what I, I didn't realize was that there, there were only a few books that I thought were dealing with the parallels between life, business, and sport. Okay. Not from one person's perspective, like a Michael Jordan or something like, I mean, you can apply those lessons, you know, but, but I couldn't really identify with a Michael Jordan, right? Cause I'm just the guy in the middle of the pack. Right. So, so I, I, I what am I going to write? I'm going to write a book that I think people could relate to. Right. Cause I can be inspired by the guy that could climb the mountain with, with, with one leg, but, but I can't relate to that. Right. And I can be inspired by uh, Oprah Winfrey telling me what, what kind of business lessons to learn, but I, I can't relate to it because I, you know I'm just not that successful. But but g- give me a guy that's like got some really tangible stuff I can learn from that I can relate to. So that's that's the what. Why do I want to write it? Is because I think I'm a pretty good storyteller. I think it would also help me process some stuff. So there were some good reasons why. And then who's going to read it? I just felt like people like me. Okay, so you get that thing. So you got to get that done. And then you've got to kind of write like a blueprint for the project, you know? So, so why is anybody going to buy it? What makes it different? Why am I qualified to do it? And if you can answer all of these things that make sense, then you can formulate like you've got the right reasons to write it. When I finished writing the book, it took me a couple of years to write the book, maybe about 18 months to write the book. I sent it off to my editor and I go, Hey, what do you think? And she goes, it's absolute crap. I can't do anything with it. Right. It's literally, it's completely, it's complete trash. And I said, okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for your help. Um, I'll just go a different direction. And then about three months later, I got a phone call, Mark. I remember I was, I was on a, a vacation with my kids and I get a phone call and it's my editor and she goes, I did it. I figured it out. I go, what? She goes, your book. She goes, it's not a book. She goes, it's three books. One of them you need to throw away. The other two books we can make into one book, but here's what we got to do. Blah, blah, blah. She said, I cut and paste. I did all this. She goes, I got your book. I got your book. And I go, okay. So she understood what it was. So I needed somebody to explain to me where, why the reader wasn't interested in the book. And what she basically in this book, she was just like, people don't want to hear the technical stuff about running and biking and swimming. And they don't want to talk about learning about how to train better. They want to hear the lessons you learned. So take all that other crap out of there and make it about, and I was, oh, so then I wrote it, rewrote it, rewrote it, rewrote it, and it became something good. So um, I'd say, sorry for the long convoluted answer, but you got to have the right motivation. You have to have somewhat of a process. You have to be able to answer very big questions. Why is anybody going to read it? Who, who cares? What makes you qualified to do it? And and what makes your, your book different? And then hopefully you have a good editor that tells you how to make it better, that people care. And it just, again, that process of just the vulnerability of putting your words on paper and sending it out to someone and just putting yourself out there. Like most people, again, like the triathlon, like most people in the world have not done that, nor will they have the courage to do it. Because, you know, no one, let's be honest, no one wants to fall flat on their face. Like, no one wants that feeling. Like, so instead of possibly having that feeling, putting yourself out there, most people just won't do it. 
And mm-hmm. I say that to kind of segue into another part of your life where you are a public speaker, you're a keynote speaker. And again, one of those things that's like, you're putting yourself out there. You're putting yourself out there and they are lessons to learn. Don't get me wrong. David, you have plenty of lessons to teach and people can learn from you, but still people don't want, people are afraid of public speaking. People, that's if you, I think the top three things every year, of course, is like death of a loved one, illness of a loved one, and then like public speaking. I think those are the three things. Um, Is this, and you talked about the things you've done in the past where like uh, with the writing, have you always been someone who's been comfortable speaking to other people? Uh, no, I, I, it was something that I definitely learned through a confidence. I'm going to, I'll be honest with, with it, Mark. Um, I'm not entirely proud of where that strength came from because I always had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, uh, that I was the guy that didn't go to college. I, I just couldn't life, life got in the way and, and I'm not going to bore you and your listeners with all the rough stories, but it was just not possible. And, uh, and I had to work three times as hard to get to the same level as most people um, in, in the world in which I was in because I didn't, I didn't have the training and the resume and the contacts and the whatever. So, uh, uh, so I worked like three times as hard and three times as smart and sometimes, you know, made three times as many mistakes before I figured it out. But I, I, I actually walked around with this chip on my shoulder and then I started realizing like, holy crap, like I'm... I'm like the real deal when it comes to certain things. And these other guys are posing like these guys are not like, like I, I belong in the room. Like I actually belong in the room. And then I realized, Oh, if I belong in the room and I talk to people like in a real way, that's not about me. It's about them or it's about the topic. And, and it's like, Oh, I can connect with them at a, at a real authentic, deep connective level. Like that's not, that not separate me because man, most of the times I hear pe- people talk, I'm like, Oh my God, like stop already. Right. Like it's just a bunch of nonsense. Like it doesn't relate to me and you're talking just to talk or whatever, man, when you get somebody that's like at your level and like, can go like speak to you. Like, I love that. I absolutely love that. Sometimes a movie does that. Sometimes a book does that. Right. Sometimes a Ted talk will do that where you're like, Wow. Like that guy's like authentic and connected. And I just thought if I could be that and I, and I felt like I was on, on certain topics in certain circumstances, then why not? And so I didn't have any self-consciousness about it because I was just like, oh, I can do a better job than that person. Now, I'm not saying I could be a better father than that. Person. I don't know if I could. I'm not saying I could be a better friend. I don't know. But what, whatever that dude's talking about, I can do better than that. And so it, it kind of came from 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 that, uh, which is not the greatest <laughs> thing to start from. But um, I, I think it's real, you know. Like, you know, some athletes only want to be taught by by people who have been in their shoes, right? Some athletes they'll they'll, they'll take uh, um, you know inspiration from the Dalai Lama, who probably never did any any athletics in his life, you know. So. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm any great at, at, at everything, but a few things I feel like I was really able to do well. And that's to connect to people and talk about things in an authentic way. And I love that. And I, I see no problem in that. And I've, as you can tell from me speaking to you, I have no problem talking to new people and talking to a group of people. And, and I, I don't mm-hmm. know where it came from either, but I have this, and I, I tell people this all the time. Like if I, if we have to speak, if we have to present, like 
I, I want to be authentic and organic and, and have a good conversation and relate to people. But at the same time, I want the person that mm -hmm. has to go behind me to really feel stressed about that, to not want to do it. Once, <laughs> once, I, once I'm done That's speaking, I, I, once I'm done speaking, I want that person who goes after yeah. me to be like, damn it, I have to go after Mark? Like, oh, man. Like that's And that's not me being cocky. That's not me being cocky. That's me wanting to put together a presentation, a speaking, engage, something that, that leaves people wanting more and engaged. Like the last thing I want is to use too many words and to be, you know, mm -hmm. inflate and just, you know, that everybody knows that person. It's like, you could have said that in 10 words or less, but you just kept me here for half an hour. It's like, come on, we can, <laughs> we can do better than that. So no, I, I'm totally cool with that. And, um, and finally, I'd be remiss to even not bring this up, but just so everybody understands how long 4,700 miles is. That's a <laughs> that's a long. I don't think I've traveled 4,700 miles in the last two years. I I'm, I'm being facetious, right. but still, like even I'm thinking about it now. But you just you completed a 4,700 mile bike ride. I'm saying yeah. bike like on not a motorcycle, not a nope. motorcycle on a on a bike T yep. tell us about that ride oh well, well thanks and and uh you know listen uh, just a, a exclamation point on what you said because it's very poignant is that if you if you have the right motivation and your motivation is to say i'm going to be the best i'm i'm going to be and i'm, and I'm going to inspire people or i'm going to move them into action or whatever that's great and if you can if you can hone into that motivation and become the best at something you know what I what I always felt that that if if we're all connected by stories, then w w what creates a good story is just if you can evoke emotion in the person that's hearing the story, either a movie, a book, a, a poem, whatever, a song. If you can evoke emotion in in the person you're telling the story to, then you could be successful at that. And um, and so when it came to this the second book. So I, I told you uh, way, way back when, uh, uh, 20 years ago, that I had this inflection point where I said, okay, I got to start to transform my life, right? I got to think about the guy in the mirror. And when I did, I got really excited, Mark, because I'm just like, man, the possibilities are endless. Like, who knows where this road's going to take me, but it's going to be finally like a road I'm on on purpose, right? How cool is that? At the very same time, I got a call from my sister whose life was going really well, um, you know, happily married, kids, great job, really comfortable in who she was and, and her place in the world. And she called me up and said, hey, I've got terminal brain cancer. And I went, oh, shoot. So here I am with this endless open world in front of me of discovery and learning and all this stuff. And here she is with a very short, uh, uh, you know, very short time horizon ahead of her. And so I paid attention, Mark, to what was going on. And what I noticed was a recurring theme was that people weren't very free and open and well-equipped, we touched on this a little bit earlier, to talk about really difficult things, right? Um, I, you know, it's just, it's just we're not wired that way. And so to, to connect to people that are going through something really traumatic, and it doesn't matter if it was a doctor or a nurse or good friends or whatever, that was just something that was really difficult. And everybody seemed hesitant. I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't realize, dude, I have a great day and I'm walking down the hallway and somebody walks by me and I'm looking at him. I go, hey, bud, what's going on, Mark? 
and I'm all happy and whatever because I just came out of a great meeting. And you go, oh, man, I don't know. I just found out my uncle's dying and blah, blah, blah. What's my – I'm like, uh-oh, so, sorry about that. Exit stage left, man. I don't know what the hell to say to you, right? What do I say to, what do I say to something like that? So trauma – Cancer and other kinds of trauma can be a very isolating place, could be a very lonely place because we don't know how to talk to people about these kind of really deep emotional issues. And they certainly don't know how to talk to us about. And that's why when you say, I don't know, you know, we don't know what people are going through, or what they've been through. Man, we have no we have no clue. Right. We have no clue that the person that's annoying you in, in front of the line at the grocery store is, is literally gonna go home and take care of their dying friend like we we don't know right it's just unbelievable what humans have to go through and i was touched by that so i went and found mark a bunch of people that i could have deep conversations with that i thought were evocative people with evocative stories of overcoming trauma of dealing with trauma uh and and specifically with cancer uh, doctors that had dealt with cancer patients loved ones whatever and i interviewed them for a couple of years to get deep into their stories of how are you able to, or why weren't you able to connect to people on an emotional level? When I wrote that book, part of what I wanted to do was to say, hey, if we're all connected by stories, well, I never met these people. Why don't I connect stories by going to bike to all of them? So I zigzagged from Southern California over to Florida, uh, and then from Florida up to New York, zigzagging so I could meet as many of them in person uh, and to quote, kind of connect the story. So long answer, but that's, that's the whole thought process behind that. That, that is one of the most, you know, amazing and unique stories because what you said, I don't think people true, truly understand literally how difficult it, I don't want to say how difficult it is to have those conversations, but once you take put somebody in that awkward spot, and it's only awkward because we don't talk about it. It's only awkward because we don't want to have the conversation. We literally freeze up. And, you know, having that empathy at the front of your mind, thinking, I don't know what this per before I get upset, before I yell, before I raise my voice, before I put in my two cents, mm -hmm. let me think about, could this person possibly be going through one of the worst times of their life. And I, I think that is something that, that as, you know, parents of small children, parents of teenagers, you know, brothers, sisters, all in their relationships, those are things we can talk about. Those are things we can make sure people, like, I don't expect, I don't expect you to just come around or talk to me when, when I'm, you know, when everything is sunshine and rainbows, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I would love somebody to speak to me, you know, and this is coming from, you know, a person who, who lost his mother a few years ago to, to pancreatic cancer. And from the day she told us she had it to her last breath was six months. And, wow. Wow. and, you That's know, it's, horrible. it's, you know, and, and I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to, mm -hmm. in my mind, I just said, okay, she's gonna, she's gonna get better. Why well, don't talk about it? Like I, 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 I know that feeling and for you to, to plan that out and have that, that authentic, conversations with so many people and then to, to bike ride that is just amazing well, well thank you but the bike ride was just kind of like like giving another perspective mm -hmm. right so each one of the 
15 stories in the book is separated by a little bit of a narrative on the bike ride. And what the bike ride allowed me to do was to meet a ton of people along the way. Cause I wanted to find out whether or not I was creating this situation because of my project. Do really do people. Am I, did I create it that it's difficult for people to talk about the emotional side of the trauma or is it really that way? So the bike ride I met, I can't even tell you how many hundreds and hundreds of people on the bike ride. And every single one of them had it to some point, right? Like, I don't have the answer on how you deal with situation as absolutely horrifying as watching your mother die six months after she told you she has cancer. I can't tell you how to, how to navigate that. But what, what I what I could learn from you, and maybe that might in, evoke some emotion in other people, what I could learn from you is finding out how did you navigate it? How were you not able to? What were you able to talk to her about? What weren't you able to talk to her about? If you could do it different, what what would you do? Was she a good mother and that made it harder? Or was she a bad mother and that made it harder? I mean, there's a whole number of different sides. And what mostly happens, Mark, is somebody will hear that story and they'll say, oh, man, I'm really sorry. That must be tough. And then they kind of leave it at that mm -hmm. because they don't know what the hell to say to you. They didn't lose their mom like that. And, and heck, I don't, I don't want you to tell me what the hell happened because, dude, I don't want you to bring me down or whatever. I, right? We don't know. You could end up saying that six months was the greatest six months of my life, dude. I got to connect with my mom like nobody's business. Or you could say that six months was hell and, then, and every day since then has been hell. I don't know. But I could learn from hearing from you what the heck you went through. Because at some time in my life, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, today, maybe in a week, I'm going to be going through something traumatic or somebody I care about is going to be going something traumatic. And maybe I could pull from a tiny little lesson that, that, that I got from you on how to better navigate that, that situation or how to be, be okay with the way I did navigate it or whatever. And so that, that's what I try to pull out of the, these people. Cause I interviewed them for like a couple of years, right? It took a long time to develop trust and to really get into the heart of their experiences. And when I was able to do that, not everybody, could talk to me i couldn't talk to everybody but i got 15 stories that are just absolutely remarkable and inspiring and insightful and very very moving and then uh you know by bringing those stories to the reader i feel like the reader could walk away going oh all right now i get a little bit more about that concept of you never know what people have gone through or what they're going through and maybe that could help me i think that is i think that is so awesome and that evoke so many emotions out of me just thinking about that time with my mom and you're absolutely correct so what's what's next for david richmond what is next what goals do you have what plans do you have what can we expect out of you in the near future uh well i just leaned into and said i'm gonna do an event it's a little crazy to you know age is a weird thing but I started this stuff in my late thirties. I'm sure your 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 six a.m. run crew is not all all as old as I am. But I've been doing this stuff for twenty years now, right? I've done like, I don't even know how many Ironmans. I've done nearly twenty Ironmans, but but I, I can't even tell you how many fifty mile runs and marathons and all this other nonsense I've done. But I said to myself, I go, man, I got to come up with something fun to end my fifties with. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be sixty this summer, which is freaking old, man. But I go. Well, once you set yourself a high enough goal, so my next event is is on uh, coming up in July. I'm doing something called that I that I came up with that I'm calling the 59er. 
because I'm, I'm gonna be 59. And I thought, well, I was out on a bike ride a while ago and I go, dude, go back to when you were a smoker and you were overweight and you were like, you know, hopeless and you had, and look at where you come. What could you do that would exclamation point that? So I said, 59er. Okay, it's been 20 years, I'm 59. So I just did the math and I said, okay, I'm gonna do a 5,900 meter swim that's a 59, so that's about four mile swim. I'm gonna do a 59 mile bike ride and I'm gonna do a 59 mile run. And I'm gonna do them all when I'm 59 and I'm I'm, I'm gonna, um, you know, I'm gonna raise some money for charity and whatever else. But yeah, so in a couple of months, I'm gonna be doing the 59er. Uh, I'm gonna bike 59 miles and swim 5,900 meters then get out of the pool and run 59 miles. So. That'll take me about 18 hours or so because I'm not I'm not a very fast runner, but um, but I'm a decent runner, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. And I'm gonna keep writing books and keep doing what I do. I'm I'm tired just listening to you say. <laughs> so that is that sounds like an amazing, an amazing goal, and I love it. I love it so much, uh, David. This has been amazing. How can people find you online? How do they find out more about you? And how do they how are they able to purchase your books? Well, thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. The, the last book, the Cycle of Lives book, 100% of, of everything that comes in goes out to charities because what I thought was important was that one one theme I found common was that they that, uh, most people who had cancer or lost a loved one to cancer or re- recovered from cancer or worked in the, in the medical community, they had an affinity to an organization. So I wanted to make sure that we... Um, we, we honored that. So hundred percent of whatever comes in goes out to these organizations and they're listed on my website. They're actually listed in the book too. places like children's hospital and of, of Los Angeles, Moffitt cancer center, those type of places. So hundred percent of what comes in goes out. So any, anywhere you want to buy the book, Amazon, you know, the audible's awesome. I had 15 different actors read a, a, a chapter so that the, the audible is amazing. Uh, but books can be found on Amazon. I got a website, cycleoflives.org. Um, but um, that's a, a real cool passion project because I know it's also doing some good by raising some money for some great organizations. So you can find out about me or if you're inspired to read. Um, I know there's a lot to read and listen to. Uh, but if you're inspired to read, just hit, head over to Amazon and buy any of the books. Awesome. I appreciate that. You can also find David on Instagram at David Richmond underscore cycle of lives. Um, I look forward to reading both of the, or I should to listening to both of those books because <laughs> I, I do, I do have the audible and, and I listen to books, yeah. but I, I definitely look forward to that. David, this has been amazing. Thank you for everything you're doing. Good luck on your 59er. And, um, let me just say this and, you know, from, from one person who's, who's gotten, you know, fitness and, and the, the whole business and, and making myself a priority to another person, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. I'm sure those twins of yours are very proud to call you dad. So (laughs) thank you, sir. I I appreciate it. You have a great rest of your day. Okay. Thank you, Mark. You too. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show. 
so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AMRun to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.